Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Good morning, Blue Ridge Church. I am so excited to be able to be with you all this morning. Now, for you all, this is your first time. I'm Pastor Scott Obenchain. The camera does add 10 pounds, okay? Uh, if you're at home watching on your computer, adjust the contrast, you'll see the similarities in just a minute. But, but truthfully, though, my name is Hardy. I get a chance to work with the kindergarten through the fifth grade class, and every once in a while, they let me come out and play with the big dog, so you're in for some pain. I mean, you're in for some treats here. Now, for you all in the front, I'm happy you love Jesus, but uh, let me just let you know something. When I get excited talking about the Lord, I spit a little bit. So if you feel like it coming down, it's not the air condition, it's me, um, but it's holy spit, so here we go. All right? We are in this series called Everyday People, right? We hear the song before each funny video, you know, I'm everyday people, right? You like that song, right? I love that song because it talks about what we are here at Blue Ridge Church. We're just everyday people. We're just regular old scooby-dooby-doobies, just regular old folks, you know. And what we're doing is we're looking in the Bible at these scriptural heroes that talk like us, walk like us, are fearful like us, that have doubt like us, like we talked about before with Ruth, right? And scared like us, like Abram. Ordinary people to do extraordinary things for the ministry, for God. Now, there's some people, some critics, you know, I had to check my Instagram, you know, some critics are saying, you know, so what, basically what you're doing, you're finding the biblical heroes, finding their faults so that you can feel good about your shortcomings. That's what we're doing. I said, but on the contrary, what we're trying to do is show that these are regular people, that God said, I'm going to do something great in these people, and they don't have to be anything special about them except be available. So... Here we are. And you can trust me on this. I'm a doctor. No, like seriously though, like I really am a doctor. We could totally end the message today just on that. Isn't God hilarious, right? He's got a sense of humor, right? So he can use anyone to do just about anything. But before we jump in that, I gotta give you a little blueprint. So the blueprint is this. We're gonna talk about some of the things that we say in the church, even in the midst of our deepest struggles in life. We're going to look at some people in the Bible that have gone through similar things, such as we're going through now. And then we're going to wrap it all up talking about one of the biblical characters and what we can do as believers out there to not only help ourselves, but to help others that are going through some trials in their life. So, you know, looking into that, we say silly things sometimes. You know, one of the things is uh, my wife, she says this all the time. It drives me nuts. She says, oh, we're talking on the phone, getting ready to come home. She's like, okay, well, we'll touch base on that a little bit later today. I'm like, what is she talking about? Because he's like touching base. I'm like, you know, like first base, second base, third base. Or you, yeah, some of the married people know what I'm talking about. Oh, are we talking about like, she's like, no, we're going to finish the conversation. I'm like, oh, of course. That's what I was hoping we would do, talk more. Um, but we say things all the time, right? But we don't listen to the words that we're saying. Like the song, it says, everyday people. The lyrics of the song says, sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. My own beliefs are in this song. The butcher, the baker, the drummer, and then makes no difference which group I'm in. I am everyday people. Yeah, 
Okay. So it's saying regular old people trying to get along just doing regular things, right? And that's what we're talking about here, regular folks. But I think it's sometimes kind of weird, right? We say other things, and we don't really think about the words. Like, here's a good one. Hey, Brother Jim, how you doing today? Well, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Right? Or we'll say something like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Right? And maybe something that you hear people say. Oh, probably one of my favorites, because I'm yet to understand what it means. It says, hey, how are things going for you? Well, I'm the head and not the tail. So that's, you're good, or you're having a bad day, or what does that mean, right? Some of these Christianese things that we may say, or let go and let God, or for my, for my Pentecostal folks, my Baptist folks, you know, I say, God is good, all the time and all the time God is good. We heard that before, some of us in here. Some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? Bear with me. Some of my meds are off a little bit this morning. But sometimes we use these terms, we use these phrases when we are at our mental weakness, when we're going through some stuff in our lives that we even realize that I don't know what's going on. I don't feel too blessed to be stressed. I don't feel like God is good all the time because I feel bad all the time. Or you know what, I don't feel like the head, I feel more like the tail, or maybe I just feel like what comes out of the tail, right? That's real life, that's real life. We're talking real stuff here today. It's safe to say that I believe in Jesus, but sometimes I feel depressed sometimes. Sometimes I feel so stressed at times. Sometimes I feel so anxious at times, I don't know how to handle these situations. Now, one of the things that we don't talk about in church, you know, uh, Pastor Scott, he's, a, he's an amazing pastor. You know, he's an amazing pastor because he will bring up topics that are so hard. And a lot of times, people in church, we don't talk about those in church. But the good thing is, he's got Matt and I to actually do his work for him. You know what I mean? <laughs> to do the hard topics. Isn't that right, Matt? That's my man right there, right? But we have these stigmas about anxiety and depression and, and our mental health. Now, if you don't think you have a stigma, think about this. Some of your favorite athletes out there, and I promise you I put this together before this week of this Olympics and everything else that's going on, right? Let your favorite athlete not compete in a competition. Let your favorite athlete miss an entire season because they're having some issues with their mental health. For us regular old Scooby-Dooby-Doobies, right, regular old, regular old people, right, one of the things you say, man, if I had that kind of money... Mm -mm. there's nothing to be depressed about. Or, man, everybody likes them, so I don't know why I'm complaining. Now, my dad, that's my man. My dad would say some funny stuff, and I couldn't say it in church. I couldn't say it in church. But one of the things I can say in church that he would say is that money can't buy you happiness, but I sure like to try, right? He would say something like that. Well, you know, sometimes this subject of behavioral health Depression is secondary, our misunderstanding is kind of related to our, our ignorance in the subject. Ignorance meaning our lack of understanding of it or our lack of desire to learn more about it, what we may be going through or what others may be going through around us. We don't want to acknowledge its existence. Things like depression and anxiety, they scare us. But the good news is, in the scriptures, some holy rollers went through very similar situations that we're currently going through at this time. 
Now, we can look back at centuries ago and how we handled situations with individuals who were going through some mental breakdowns, right? We maybe lock them up, maybe do some electric therapy, maybe shun them from the community. And we've come a long way. We've gotten better. But there's still some things that we really don't understand. And sometimes even in the church, a place where people should be welcome to come in when they're dealing with stuff like this. We say, you know, happiness, it's a choice. And if you get Jesus, I'm happy all the time, right? Some of the things that some churches are putting off there, or maybe we point someone straight to the Bible. If you're feeling bad, you just got to read your Bible. That's a big book. Where do I start? Just read it. See, this kind of message tells someone who's not well-versed in the Bible or someone who's having an issue in their life. It's telling them, hey, you know what? Life is always good with God. But for you all that have lived this life for quite some time, you know that's not always true. Life is hard. You're going to go through situations in your life that you can't even explain it. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 30, it says this, And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and that are thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? Or maybe we hear something, a uh, scripture like this. We talked about this in last series. Psalms chapter 55, verse 22. Cast your cares unto the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous go forsaken. Right? Now, these verses are great. These verses are inspirational. These verses are motivational. These verses are getting us out of times where we're struggling the most. But sometimes their intention doesn't necessarily come off that way, depending on the person and where they are. See, my medical opinion, just my opinion, it's easier for us to accept things when we can actually physically see it, we can touch it, meaning we can get some lab work to show us that we're anemic. We can get an MRI to show that we got a bulging disc in the back. Ain't no test, ain't no lab for depression. Ain't no lab for anxiety, for mental health, instability. Ain't no labs for that. If it is, please let me know. So it's hard for us to accept these things because we can't, we can't see them. So the reason why I'm showing you these images on the screen to kind of put a picture with what some people are going through on a regular basis. And a picture like this. When I'm in my clinic, I try to talk to, to, to the patients and I say, sometimes depression is kind of like a well. See, you're in the bottom of the well and you can look up and see it's bright, sunny skies. You can actually see there's some life. There's this beautiful tree that's there. But the problem is you're stuck in the well and you're just worn out. Matter of fact, you've even tried to climb your way out on the rocks, but you keep falling back down again to the point where you say, you know what? I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm just going to stay down here and see what happens. I can't do it any longer. You feel trapped. True story. I used to be one of those people like you just need to snap out of it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and move on, right? Get some Jesus. Move forward. Proverbs says this, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14. A healthy spirit conquers adversity. But what do you do when your spirit is crushed? What do you do when you can't do it anymore? When you've tried and you keep falling, what do you do then? 
That takes us to our learning point number one. Now you guys can see those little weird looking boxes on the back of your chair now. Some of you guys that aren't smartphone people, you're like, what are those little boxes for, right? For you all that are smartphones, you can just scan that and you can get the notes or obviously you can do the church center app to get those. But our, our first learning point is this. When we are feeling depressed, nothing brings us joy. Our desires are gone, our passions are gone, our pleasures are gone, non-existent. We're just there, our spirits are crushed. Now, see, it doesn't matter what you look like, how much money you make. It doesn't matter if you're six foot two with dark curly hair and a nice skin tone and a nice new shirt. None of that matters. I'm not 6'2", I'm 6'5", but whatever. Um, None of that really matters, right, when you're going through that season of depression in your life. It can be a trigger. It could be something that someone says. It could be a situation that you're going through. It could be your job itself. It could be what you eat. It could be the lack of exercise that you may get. It could be the fact that you're not getting the encouragement that you need that trigger you right back into that well again. You thought you got out of it, and then you go right back in it again. And then you think, well, it's all me. It's all my fault. You know, King David had a great example of this. He says in Psalms chapter 32, verses 3 and 4, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day long. For the day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as the heat of summer. That's David. That's the man after God's own heart. You see, he's saying these things because he's just, I don't even know what my life is about anymore. Now, we talked about David in the series right after he committed adultery and things of that nature in his life where he was falling apart around him. Now, he didn't feel bad in the act. What he felt bad was when his boy came to him and said, man, you were wrong. You shouldn't have done that. He feels crushed. He says he feels like he's got mental health stroke, right? I can't do anything to get out of this. Again, this isn't a select few. This is a lot of us out there. Me personally have gone through this in my own life. But isn't it weird? When it seems like we're going through a situation, we're the only one who's ever gone through it. Isn't it weird when we're going through this situation, it seems like God is so, so far away, right? So far away. I can't find him. What do I need to do? How do I get out of this? But I want you all to know this truth, our learning point number two. Some of the most godly people on earth have struggled with depression. We can see it in Jeremiah chapter 20, uh, verses uh, 14 through 15 and then 18. It says, I curse the day that I was born. May no one celebrate the day of my birth. I curse the messenger who told my father, good news, you're having a son. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. Now, we can read it as it is from the Bible, but if we understand who Jeremiah is, matter of fact, let me, how many of you guys have had God talk to you in a loud voice like, Abraham, I want you to speak at Blue Ridge Church on August the 1st? That didn't happen to me. I'm going to let you know that right now. That did not happen to me. God put it on my heart. It worked itself out. Scott allowed me to get out of the kids' ministry. Thank you, God, for a little while. No offense to anybody's kids out here. Um, But uh, he let me get out so that I could come up here, right? But Jeremiah was a prophet. Jeremiah had communications with God on the regular, like that. And he felt crushed, beat down, cursed the day I was born. Cursed my dad when they told him you're having a son. 
But we see it again. Matt was talking about this a couple weeks ago um, in the, 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 um, what's his name, Job, the book of Job. He was talking about the guy that had all that stuff. I mean, Job, you know I'm playing. You know I know his name is, is Job or Job. Is it Job? It's Job. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in uh, Job chapter 7, verse 15 through 16, it says, I hate this life. Who needs any more of this? Let me alone. This is nothing. There's nothing to my life. Nothing but smoke. You ever felt like that? Like your life is, what's the point? I'm just here, I'm just floating through this life and, and, and nothing. I can't seem to impact anything. We see it again with a number of, another one of our, our biblical heroes in Numbers chapter 11, verses 15, uh, 14, 15. I can't carry all these people by myself. This load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just let me go and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me of this misery. This person is talking about, I can't carry this church anymore. This is Scott. He's talking. No, this is Moses, right? Moses is saying this about the Israelites. Look, I got them out of Egypt. And now they're saying, who's the God now? And I'm struggling. What am I supposed to do? I can't carry this, God. I've done everything you've asked me to do. What do I do now? Jonah, one of the other prophets in the Bible, Jonah says this in chapter 4, verse 3. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. It's real life. This is us. These are some of the things that we may be feeling or saying. Paul, one of the greatest leaders in the church, he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, for beyond our ability to endure it, so we despaired life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we may not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. You see the pattern here? You see the pattern here of these people that we look at in the Bible as as biblical heroes, how they confronted their depression, their mental health. They confronted it head on, going straight to the source saying, God, what do I do? How do I handle this so that I can get through this in a positive way without destructing my life, without falling off, without pushing people away? How do I do this? I think this will all be put together. We talk about this guy named Elijah in the Bible. Now, I need to make sure that we understand there's Elijah with a J, and then there's Elisha. Elijah comes after Elijah. They're like, man, see, that's what these people in the Bible got to say. Now, I guarantee you there's probably one or two Aaron's out here. There's probably a couple of Davids out here, but there's only one Abraham. That's for sure. And if there's another Abraham, please let me know, because he needs to go, right? <laughs> There's only room for one, right? But think about it. We don't hear much about Elijah until the time of King Ahab. King Ahab was um, Israel's king, and King Ahab was uh, kind of a knucklehead a little bit, as Charles Barkley. He ain't nothing but a knucklehead, right, as Charles Barkley would say. He's a knucklehead. Now, here's the thing. King Ahab was chosen to be king over Israel. Now, he's outside doing his thing, right? And then he looks to his left, and he sees, "Uh uh-oh. He sees this lady, body 10, face 10, worshiping wrong gods. 
but he can't help himself. So he goes and talks to this woman and becomes his wife. Her name is Jezebel. So for any of you out there, have you ever heard the name Jezebel? And someone says, oh, you act just like Jezebel. It was not a compliment. I'm going to let you know that right now. So think about it if you've been called that before. Yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he marries Jezebel, and Jezebel causes him to stray away. And he's worshiping all kinds of gods and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and he's really ticking God off quite a bit. In the Bible, it actually says it in 1 Kings chapter 16, 33. This isn't on your handout, but it says, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. That's bad. That ain't good at all. So Elijah burst up on the scene, and Elijah's there, and he says this. He says, all right, this is going to happen, King Ahab, because you're, you're a knucklehead, and you married this woman. I told you not to do that. So now we're going to have a drought. It's going to last about three and a half years. We're going to have this drought. It's not going to be any rain. Crops are going to dry up. People are going to die. Now, Ahab didn't appreciate that too much, and it was time for Elijah to go. God told him, you need to get out of here. So he listened to the Lord. He went out into the wilderness. He found a brook. The Lord said, I'm going to, I'm going to quench your thirst by this brook, and I'm going to have your food brought to you by birds. Don't even have to worry about a thing. I got you covered. So Elijah's doing this thing. Everything's going great. Now, remember, it's a drought, so the brook dries up. Now, Elijah, now what do I do? God says, I want you to go to this lady. She's a widow. She's got a son. You go with her. She's going to take care of you. You're going to bless her house to the point where she's going to have food to last through the entire drought. So he does that. He stays there, even heals, this, heals the boy, who, her, her child who was dying, or who died, actually. Now the Lord says, all right, Elijah. I don't fed you in the wilderness. You took care of this lady. She's good. She saw the ministry. She believes in me now. I want you to head on back to Ahab. Elijah's like, what? I just got out of this. I want to head on back to Ahab. Let him know the drought's getting ready to end. So he's like, all right, cool. I got it. You've been blessing me so far. I might as well keep going with it. Right? So he goes back and he says, hey, King Ahab, the drought's going to end, but, but we got to do something first. He says, all right, King Ahab, this is what we're going to do. You get all your prophets, your, fa- your false prophets and your preachers, all the worshiping all these crazy gods, you get them all together. There's about 850 of them, according to the Bible. You get them all together, they're going to make an altar and have a sacrifice. Then I'm going to get my altar over here, and then I'm going to have my sacrifice. Now, the God who brings down the fire, the, you know, brings down fire first to burn up the offering, that's the real God. Cool. They said, all right, we got that. You go first. So he lets them go. They're praising their Lord, dancing and shouting. Next thing you know, they start ripping their clothes because their God's not coming. Then they start cutting themselves. And they're like, man, what is going on? Now, Elijah, keep in mind, I just told you, he's just been coming off this spiritual journey, right? Kind of like giving a talk at Blue Ridge Church, right? He's just doing everything he's supposed to do. He's volunteering at the church. You know, he's paying his tithes. He's doing everything he's supposed to be doing. So he's feeling himself a little bit. He's feeling himself a little bit. In the Bible, it says this. It says he's getting awful comfortable. In 1 Kings chapter 18, he even starts mocking them. He even starts mocking all those false prophets over there. It's in the Bible now. He says this. He starts crying out to him. He's like, hey, 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 maybe your God is having a conversation with somebody else. Kind of makes him mad a little bit. He keeps going, though, because he's feeling us. He's like, hey, 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 maybe your God is on vacation. Maybe he's pursuing something else, right? How men do when they get confident. Hey, he's pulling, pulling the pants leg. Hey, 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 you know what he's doing? I bet he's sleep. I mean, he's sleepy, but he's not sleeping, though, but he's not listening to you right now. So then Elijah says, you know what? Let me call him my God. 
calls God. God sends down fire, burns up his offering. All the prophets, fake prophets, false prophets, and, and ministers there, they're killed. So he's like, yeah, I'm God's number one for sure. Ahab runs back and tells his wife Jezebel what's going on. Jezebel is mad. Now Elijah's on the run again. Is that like our life? You're having struggles in your life. You're still following God. You break through, and then it happens again. I've had enough, God. I can't do this any longer. Elijah says this in the Bible. It says uh, on 1 Kings chapter 14 through 19, or chapter 4, uh, what is it? 19 through 4, excuse me. It says, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who are already dead. He's exhausted. He's worn out. He doesn't know what else to do because he feels broken. To the point where he tells God twice. He says, God, I'm the only one who's even worth He probably didn't say that. He sounded, God, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who's following you. And you keep having this stuff happen to me, and I'm sick of it. He says it again in verse 14. I'm the only one. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? You keep doing this to me. God's patient. He lets him have his temper tantrum, and then he speaks to him. Paul speaks to us through that verse that we read earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. I want you to pay attention to a repetitive word that we're going to see in this scripture. It says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the trouble we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure it, so we despaired life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Uh Uh-oh, sounds like a but's coming. But wait, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raised the dead. You see, the issue with Elijah, he was alone. The issue with Jonah, he was alone. The issue with David, after Nathan talked to him, he felt alone. They all felt alone. And to tie it back to what I said at the very beginning, talking about we say things, but we really don't think about them. It's kind of like when we talk about hell, heaven and hell. Hell's just being alone without God. Like these guys felt that they were alone without God. We know how we've done so far with being alone, right? We just spent a year and a half of being alone. We've gone through it. And then when we finally get out of it, then we have to wear a mask. We don't know what people look like. All we do is... No foreheads. Some of us got five heads. Um, you'll figure out what that means, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's all we can see, right? Because we've been alone. And then as soon as we come out of isolation, right, then we have the gas crisis for 24 hours. And we lose our minds, right? This is Justin's trunk here. Um, appreciate the gas, Justin. I use premium, though. Anyway, uh, so... Feeling alone, we feel like we've lost touch with God. See, that takes us to learning point number three. We can become weary and fragile without a community of others. We need each other. We realize that more now than ever I am hoping. We need each other. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. So encourage each other to build each other up just as you are already doing. 
So why do you think Jesus went and got some, a, bunch of, a bunch of regular old dudes when he started his ministry? He didn't have to, right? We get those WWJD bracelets, right? You remember they were real popular back in the day? What would James do? As Jesus' brother, you know what I mean? So it's what would James do? Could you, just as a side note, could you imagine, though, like if it was James, you know, and Jesus did the water and the wine, and then now there's nothing to eat, and they look at James. Like, what up, James? What you going to do? What would James do, right? And he's like, I'll do some microwave popcorn. That's about all I got for you, right? (laughs) Poor James. Some of us feel like that from time to time. He probably had some issues, too. But if we're thinking about it here for a second, we say, okay, when Jesus started his ministry, he went and got some body of believers. They weren't believers at the time, but body of believers to pull together. Because I need these guys. Now, if you're thinking, well, Jesus didn't need these guys. Well, he actually did need these guys, especially when it came to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He's getting ready to get crucified. Jesus tells his boys, like, look, I'm going to take a select few of you guys to come with me. I need you to pray for me because I am scared. He's got a body of people that he brings with him as he's going through this hard time. That's why gatherings like this church... It's just four walls, a couple TV screens, and a whole bunch of cords and wires and lights and bells and whistles, right? And a a really good band, right? And some good preaching here from Pastor Scott and Matt. And every once in a while, they let me get up here and, you know, ramble for a little while, right? Right? It's just that. But when we're talking about God, when we're talking about the things that he can do in our lives, that's what it's all about. So how do we put this into action, though? Right? We can tell you, yeah, we've been depressed. Yeah, we've been depressed. We're talking about how the Bible can help us. Yeah, the Bible can help us. And then how do we put that into action? There's a, there's a part where Jesus' ministry called the Sermon on the Mount. It's um, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Matthew chapter 5 verse 7. In, that, in those chapters, there's this thing called the Beatitudes. Now, we did a whole series on Beatitudes. I didn't understand it then. Um, so I had to watch it again. And it still didn't quite make sense to me, but those Beatitudes make sense to me now as we talk about anxiety, depression, and mental health. You see, because the Beatitudes tell us, they say, blessed is the one who's poor in spirit. What does that mean? Blessed is the one who is meek. Blessed is the one who is hunger. That's letting us know, check it out. Blessed because God is with you through this. Plus, it's letting you know you're going to go through some things. And this is Jesus telling the people. Primarily telling his disciples, like, look, if you want to follow me, you're going to go through some stuff. We're going to go through some stuff. And the rest of chapter 6 and 7 talk about how we can help each other get through these situations in our lives. We need each other to get through this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of the ways to motivate one another to act in love and good works, and let us not neglect out meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is what they're saying back at the time, in Hebrews. He said, look, we need each other. Now, let's be honest. Some of you I don't even know, but some of you I know personally. They're in my inner circle to help me get through these situations. 
We need each other. We need someone like that in our lives to help us pull through. Because like I said earlier, they may be going through what you're going through. They may have already gone through what you're going through. And it's your reality. But we need each other along with needing God. We need a, we need a strong group, a strong core of, of, of followers of Christ. In Psalms chapter 43, verse 5, it says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Learning point number four. Mental health and depression do not define us. God does. Why don't you take a look at this video here for a second? Hi, my name is Kaylee McNeil. I am a social worker at one of the local psychiatric hospitals here in the NRV, and I've been a attendee of Blue Ridge for three years. Um, about two years ago, I always walked up to Mark, um, who lead, leads the kids' ministry, and told him, hey, I went to a local church during college, and I think we should do a college ministry. And Mark was always like, yeah, that is such a great idea. I think that would be an amazing addition to Blue Ridge Church. And every year growth groups would come and go and I'm like, yeah, we need to do a college ministry. We need to figure out a way to connect with college students. We just need to do it. And every year that doubt and that worry, the worry that I wasn't good enough or I was a college student who didn't have everything all put together and I was a new wife and a master's student and just trying to figure it all out. I had so much doubt and worry that I would not be a good enough leader to lead this group group. Um, we'll come to find out Mark ended up starting it. Um, he ended up starting it and it has been the best thing ever. Um, he asked me to be part of it um, when it first started. Um, we started in January of 2020, right before the pandemic. Um, and then the pandemic had its ups and downs, um, its challenges with doing everything on Zoom and not really being able to connect with um, the people of Blue Ridge Church and really reach out to those people, but we managed to do it. And now we are a year and a half later. Um, our summer program has kicked off and we have about 35 to 40 people who regularly attend who are all um, young adults in our community. And we're really able to reach and form this community of people who are at the similar age ranges, whether you're in college or you're a young adult trying to figure out your life or a young working professional. Um, we're just creating a community where we can hang out, we can have fun, and we can really talk about God and how much He is continuously working in our lives and just supporting us through this whole process. It just makes me realize that God, when He really speaks to you, He really knows what He's talking about. And we just need to trust the process that He knows what He's doing and trust that what he is telling us to do is the right thing to do and it's going to work out beautifully no matter what. I appreciate that sharing there. You see, that may not be your reality to start a ministry. It may be something else. But it doesn't mean that that's something we may struggle. Maybe it's feeling inadequate. In the time that we have, I want to tell you a quick little story. I remember it was 2011. Um, I just turned 31, and uh, I'm sitting in my bed, just had my birthday, June 30th, and uh, things were going great. I get a phone call. It's 1130 at night, and I get a phone call from my mom, and she says, you need to call the hospital in Arizona. Your dad's been in an accident. 
and my heart just fell from under me because I knew at that moment something's not, something's not right. I can tell in the tone of voice. So I get on the phone and I call the hospital and I find out my dad's been in a horrible motorcycle accident and they're like, it's not looking good. Um, so within the process of the next six hours, next thing you know, I'm showing up in Arizona. You see, prior to that, my mom had a stroke when I was in medical school, but I wasn't able to go back because obviously I, I was doing what I was called to do. And then I'm almost done with my training now, and I want to get a chance to do something for my family because they've been there for me through this entire process. Um, but I may not get that opportunity. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's that loved one that you lost, and you want to ask God why. And I ask God why, what's going on? There was another young physician that was in my, that was in my, in my training program that recently lost their mother in the same kind of thing, but it was a tragic car accident. He didn't pull through. He died. And uh, I was just destroyed, and I had a hard time really confronting God with that. I said, so all this stuff I'm doing is stupid, right? All this stuff I'm talking about you is stupid, right? I do everything I'm supposed to do. You call me to do this, and this is what happens. I never got a chance to take my dad out, get something to eat, and pay for it, because I've been a student until I was 32 years old. That's life. That's a struggle. But the young lady who went through it was able to help me through it. She allowed herself to be vulnerable enough to help me through it. To this day, I get a chance to talk to people and give them the whole story about it and help them as they grew through it. It doesn't bring anybody back. Still miss them to this day. My family misses them to this day. Doesn't bring them back. But what it does is it allows me to have a group of people to help me pull through situations like that. Now, here's the cool thing. There's this guy called Jesus, and he died on the cross for our sins, and we didn't have to do anything to earn it. Matter of fact, we don't even have to do anything to receive this gift. All we have to do is accept it. And it's easy. It's Jesus Christ. I, just, I accept you as Jesus Christ and, and Lord and Savior of my life. I don't know all the scriptures in the Bible. Don't know if it's the book of Job or the book of Job or whatever it is. But all I know is I need you in my life because I can't do this by myself. Cool. Come on in. Join the family. That's why we meet here. It's not about the cool electronics, the music, kids' ministry. It's because we're in here talking about Jesus. And we're talking about God and what we're called to do for those others for the NRV, in the NRV. Maybe that's you. And if it is and you're ready to accept Jesus, we're going to do that. Simple prayer. I hope you guys bow your heads for me. Lord God, we thank you so much that we have a place, these four walls that we can call church and worship. Lord God, we thank you that we don't have to do anything except accept the gift that you have for us. It doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through issues in our life. But we have a focus. We have something that is special, and that is your son, Jesus Christ, in our heart through his spirit. And all we have to do is accept that. And when we go through these trials, we come to you. We, we huddle around our, our, our family of believers that we allow in our inner circles to help us through these situations when we feel alone like Jonah did, like Jeremiah did, like Moses did, like Ruth did. You allow us to feel close to you through regular old everyday people pouring into our lives. We thank you, Lord God, that you have blessed us to be able to be here today in the midst of all everything else that's going on in our lives. Please allow us to stay focused on you in the midst of everything we do. Let us represent you, not ourselves, each and every day, and we're grateful for that. We thank you and love you and all these things we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
Now, for you partners and regular attenders here, you can get on the Church Center app as far as with your givings back to the church. You can use those boxes there. For you all that crossed that line of faith today and say, you know what, I made the decision. Now, I, I need some help. Where do I go from here? We can get a lot of information to you. Get on that Church Center app so that way you can, we can send you information. We're not going to show up on your doorstep, as Pastor Scott always says. He may show up. I won't. Um, Matt may show up too, uh, kind of creepy a little bit. Um, but uh, but uh, we're going to make sure you have what you need so that you can grow in this walk of faith because we're all in this together. We thank you all for coming out. God bless you and have a wonderful Sunday.